Hallo? Oh oh. Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagun, your weekly dose of cycling and bullshit. Together with you, Stefano aka Calamaro will walk with you, who will ride with you till the 8th of July, the day of the Etapto Tour when you are gonna see him, aka me, sweating his brain off till death on the Col de Colombière. Probably have to stop talking like, um, I don't know, a country radio of Missouri. Everybody loves country radios of Missouri. Actually, I really love, love folk music from the south of US, but maybe it's better to talk with the smoother voice of an Italian speaker, greeting you and welcoming you to this new episode of Broom Vagoon. Today we are going to interview somebody, we are going to talk about somebody, but nothing is done without you that are interacting with me thanks to my contact hello at calamaro.cc yes this is my email twitter.com slash read calamaro you actually read about an update a live chat a live tweet of the first presentation of giro d'italia 2018 in Twitter last week. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it really, really a lot. I'm super happy about the presence of Chris Froome at the Giro d'Italia next year. I don't want to get into conversation about politics on the starting points and everything, but I can say that probably it's better to set this agreement together with the countries before to make bad yeah, scene after the presentation and then saying here around you have to change this name otherwise we are not giving you any money no but we changed it just was a mistake guys double check these things could be a bit problematic if you know what i'm talking about just write down west jerusalem giro d'italia and you will find actually the controversy that happened last week about it another place where you can see my updates is instagram instagram.com slash read calamaro and then you know already that you can actually subscribe on my podcast going to the podcast application on your iphone and hit the subscribe button so every week you can hear my voice or at least you can just download a new episode and you will listen whenever you want. I think that podcasts are the best thing, not only while commuting, but also while cooking. My voice is perfect. You know, just listening while the olive oil is frying before to receive some shrimps, for example. It's perfect match, my voice, shrimp, and amazing glass of wine. But we are talking about cycling, so probably beer is better. I don't know, I like everything. I should mention, we have to say that this podcast is supported by Wahoo. Wahoo Element is my bicycle computer and Isador. Isador are my clothes that I'm using for every ride. Last ride for me was last Sunday. It was an amazing morning here in Berlin. It was sunny, freezing cold, but still a perfect weather to go out and have a ride. I met a lot of friends around. We didn't get any uh, meeting, but we just just riding on my classic is the ride to the airport. Uh, I just met a lot of friends on my way and it was fine actually because we just crossed our ways in our respective rides around. And uh, I think, I don't know, I have the feeling that this one was one of the last rides of my season. Hopefully not, hopefully not, let's see. 
So before to jump directly on the main topic of this week, that is my interview to one guy, I will let you know in a bit, I just want to mention something. I've just read from my Facebook feed, yes, my Facebook feed is full of content stories based on cycling, an amazing link of my friend Filippo Gautz, uh, of an article that he wrote in the Pirelli official blog, I would say, I don't know, content page, and he wrote this article on Jacques Anquetil. Jacques Anquetil, we all remember him, at least because we saw some repertory images or videos, this kind of black and white videos, of this super elegant cyclist. He was probably the best and the most elegant, for sure, time trial cyclist that ever put his cleats on a bicycle. It was really super elegant, super stylish, neat on his way of riding. But we're talking about the champion. He was the first guy who won five Tour de France, four in a row. And it was one of the others So this guy that won the three big tour so he won i think he won two times uh, uh the double so tour de france and giro d'italia in the same year and then he won also a vuelta España. you know these kind of riders that are over the top somebody that really wrote the history of this sport that we all love but he was also an amazing character a person full of charisma, an amazing story, an amazing romance in his life. Well, I really suggest you to have a look to the article of Filippo. You will find it. Let me check because I sent it to me and I should try. Here you go. It's actually in velowardpirelli.com. There is the website. And you will find his article in English, La Revolution of Anquetil. Have a look read it is really great and if you have the fortune of being able to read also in italian i would suggest you to have a look to this article also in italian because you know poetry in his hands is expressing spreading out way better in italian but also to have a look to his project that is writing together with some friends it's really really important they wrote already also three books and the name is bidon b i d o n if you can read it in Italian, if you are able to read in Italian, just have a look right in the Google, Bidon, and you will find all the time amazing articles, especially during the big tours, so during Tour de France and during Giro d'Italia, especially. You will see amazing content, especially, usually they are monographic content talking about particular riders. I cannot explain. It's really real poetry and then i am if i'm not mistaken i think that they are doing also during the giro d'italia uh, some podcast or some facebook live they are talking about yeah they are commenting the stage of the day before they are talking about these characters the best way one of the best way that you can read you can inform yourself about cycling a bit of you know a good story good content a lot of poetry it's really amazing and uh, yeah he's also a cyclist actually Filippo Kaus is a cyclist as well I met him once just on fly during the um, Tour de Flanders yeah it was the Tour de Flanders of two years ago I remember he was taking part of the ride of the journalists and I remember that he stopped in front of us me and all my friends saying hi I'm Kaut uh, in Italian ciao sono Kaut 
and uh, yeah, from them I follow him, I follow everything he's doing, and hopefully I'm gonna say that we are gonna meet again, and good luck for everything, and please read these articles. They are really, really, really good. Now, step forward, and let's say that we are adding to the interview of this week. This week I interviewed Bregan, and I'm not gonna say his surname because it's really complicated. And he's actually the main contact person of the Heroica here in Berlin, a great rider. So he gave me uh, some background of his riding life in Berlin and also outside, and also some information about the Heroica, and also his point of view on mobility, a lot of stuff. It was an amazing chat, we had it last week, but we are gonna listen to it right now. And today I'm super happy to be here together with Bregan and I'm gonna make a mess with your surname, Koniseka, Koniseka, to talk a bit about the experience of bicycle in Berlin and to ride and also about some special thing you will know. Hi Bregan, how you doing? Hi, I'm happy to be here, Stefano. Yeah, super happy also to talk with you. Uh, I was telling offline before to Bregan that actually we are friends in Facebook since ages, but we never talked in person. Now is the time, actually. It's the time to talk on records. It's so weird. So going to directly to the things, Bregan, give us a couple of uh, yeah, hints and information about you. Who is Bregan? Who's Bregan? Well, I think you mean who's cycling, bicycling Bregan. So I'll just stick. I'll stick to bicycling, Bregan. Uh, I, I always was into bikes ever since I was a little kid. And I was a teenager. I got into mountain bikes. This was in the early 90s. And then I went to university, was riding mountain bikes with friends. And after university, I started to work as a bike messenger in Washington, D.C. And there I found a new love for road bikes. Um, I'd, I'd ridden road bikes also as a kid, but it fallen away. It was very unfashionable to do that where I was from. And... So I got into road bikes and got into riding fixed gear bikes, and then I fell in love with a girl, I moved to Berlin, the only thing I could do here was uh, bike messenger, so I continued bike messengering here. Around the same time I moved here, I, since I didn't speak German, it was at first very hard to make money, and I was asked by a messenger company if I could import um, some courier bags for their company. They wanted to buy 50 bags. and so. I said yes and uh, got in contact with the company and started to import um, courier bags into Europe. And from there I built up a little business and eventually I was approached by Brooks, Brooks England, to come and work for them. And uh, in between that I was organizing cycling events and uh, eventually I opened an agency for marketing in cycling specific and today I, I, work, I have worked and continue to work for some really interesting brands in cycling. So that's kind of me and uh, all that time I'm also happen to be someone who just likes to ride bikes. Okay, okay, great. Actually I didn't know about your past on uh, Fixed Gear Bicycle. We should have done already an interview for my last podcast but that's another story. Another lifetime. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now we now prefer a bit more road cycling so let's go to that. Um, so you were mentioning that now you are actually uh, the contact person, actually one of the main marketing people of Brooks. This means that you are really involved to the Eroica. Let's go in this direction. Let's talk a bit more about this race that everybody knows. 
and actually I was talking about it a lot on uh, my social media because I've done this one already three times in a row. Now I got a bit a bit sick about uh, yeah. Uh, vintage bikes and everything but for sure especially for you guys coming from abroad it's a really magic race uh how many times did you do it what do you think about it tell me a bit more about the eroica uh well eroica of course is is now not just gaiole it's the it's the eroica series and also in the past there was a, another event in belgium which continues it's called the retro ronda um and so all in all, between the different Eroica events, I've done probably about 20 of these events. Wow. And I've done them okay. in uh, around Europe, and I also went down to South Africa last year. This year I'll attend um, Eroica California uh, in, in uh, May. So yeah, I get around quite a bit and have had the, the luck to be able to, to go to so many of these wonderful events. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a great event, especially for the spirit of the people. Uh, as I was saying, I am now a bit more. But actually, you did also something new there. There is the Eroica Nova, right? That is a ride in the same roads of the Eroica, but with new bicycle. Yep, yep. That's so, we'll be doing more of that this year. Uh, we're really happy with the way that's developed. It's uh, we're trying to do something new with with traditional Grand Fondo cycling. We we think what's missing a lot is is this feeling of, of 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 friendship and companionship and we believe that that what we're doing is a movement and and it's a movement of, of, get, of getting people onto bikes and getting them happy about being on bikes and, and getting more people onto bikes and it's you know for us it's it's more than just a, a sport competition like we we want to we want to provide people with an outlet for for riding in a, in a fast way but we don't think that that means that you have to be uh, unfriendly or, or 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 so throwing your gels on the ground because you're in such a hurry. We we think you should eat real food, and um, and that there's more to life than just uh, pushing these watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you were mentioning before something about the the friendship or riding the Eroica, this kind of spirit. Are you? Pushing it, so you think that actually vintage bicycle as well is also an element that is uh, um, helping uh, this kind of spirit to come out? Is this kind of the spirit? Or it was just the first tool that the Eroica guys came out to uh, let this really Eroica spirit spread around in these gravel roads in Tuscany? I think that often the vintage element is misunderstood. For sure, there exists a, a component of Eroica of people who are have amazing bicycles who who would spend all year restoring bicycles, searching for a really special kit to wear. Uh, you know, this is part of Eroica, and, and it's, of course, we we love this part of Eroica. But I think in Italy and in Gaiole, you see another side of Eroica. You see that a lot of people are just on old bikes that were not really great bikes when they were new bikes. Um, they're riding junk around a lot of people and, they're, and they're, they're putting on silly clothes and they're having a ball. They're all having a great time. And this, I think to, to focus on like the, is my bike nice and am I being vintage enough is, is okay for, but it's not what you have to do to be, to enjoy and be a part of this movement. It's about, it's about Forgetting about this technology, just get on any old bike. I've I've done a Roika on so many loaned bikes, some 
really bad bikes. I've, I've had to rebuild wheels out on the course. I've, I've taken maybe 60 or 70 journalists with me from, uh, from the lifestyle press, from cycling press. Uh, I've taken professionals with me. I've, I've listened to all, all of what they've had to say, and I, I know that what's happening there is not uh, just something about being around old things. It has to do with the interaction of the people and, and the vibe and the atmosphere that's being created by just everyone not taking themselves so seriously. Yeah, um, going still to this, how would you define actually the players, the riders that are joining the Eroica? Are people that are enjoying enjoying bicycle every day with their brand new bicycle, carbon fire and whatever, and then they want actually to enjoy bicycle in another way, coming to the Eroica, coming in Gaiole? Or there are people that are just preparing, kind of take it like it is, but preparing the Eroica every year for each year just as the main event of their rides? Well, like I said before, it's a mix. And I think most outsiders would be very surprised to learn how many of the people at an Eroica uh, are not really interested in, in vintage things per se or, or often don't really even cycle. Uh, I've talked to many people who never cycled until they saw Eroica. They saw something in the internet, they saw an article, and they said, that looks like so much fun, I want to go do that. And they went and did it. And now they come to all the Eroicas, but that's like the only time they ride a bike. Um, so there is like, there is something happening there. It's, it's, it's a mix of people, simply. And, and I think that's fine. Uh, you know, maybe we, some of these people who come just, just because it looks like a, a laugh, you know, maybe a few of those, you know, they go buy a bike someday and decide to get more serious about it. But to make cycling appealing in this way is, I think, where traditional avenues for cycling have really failed uh, for a lot of people and where Eroica has, has succeeded. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, because it's an event that exploded at a certain point. The Eroica was actually my kickoff in the cycling world. I'm talking about five years ago, probably. And I got really in love with uh, the international vibes that you can bring. I'm saying it all the time. I don't think I'm going to do another Eroica, but... All the time that I've been there, I was really, you know, stalked by people and the vibes, the environment there, because people are there just to have fun, just to enjoy. And yeah, I think it's great. And I think it's also pushed by all people that are coming from the Brits, from uh, Germany, from all over the world, from French. I met a lot of Frenchies there from all over the world to share this spirit. Enjoy on the bicycle. Take your time. Eat good food. Stop for a glass of wine and enjoy your ride more than pushing the watts out of your legs. This is exactly what Eroica is about. And there, are, of course, we do offer the, a 200-kilometer course, and there's nothing wrong with, with doing it. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a very tough ride, and I respect to anyone who does it. But the, for people, it's, there's something for everyone. I, I don't want to say like what people should do and should not do, because some people, they have fun when they ride 200 kilometers. But... I don't want people to feel that they're being pressured to do this. That they, 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 really, we want to pressure you to have a good time. And how you have a good time is up to you. Great. Talking about your experience with the Eroica, which one is the edition that you remember the most? About, I don't know, your mates, the mates that were riding with you or experience that you got? I have to say it was, it was the one you were at, um, not this past year, the year before. 
because I had for the first time. Usually, the journalists we would all agree to do the seventy-kilometer course, which is pretty tough as far as the seventy-kilometer course goes. Um, but this time, we decided to do the one hundred and thirty-five together. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a pretty large group of journalists, and shortly after the start, about an hour after the start, there. I don't know if you remember, but there was quite a lot of rain. Yeah, I remember for sure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. if you ride the 135, you ride south, and and you don't ride um, in the woods mostly in Chianti. Mm-hmm. You ride south from Siena, and there it opens up a lot, and so you're really exposed. And it was yeah. pouring down rain uh, for hours, for four or five hours. And I'm in a group with ten journalists, and we're all on tubulars, and. You know what happens when it rains that much? You're going to get a lot of flats, and so we we ended up with about nine flats in a, a span of about three hours. And of course, I was the host, so it was I can't just ride off when uh, some poor journalist from New York is sitting there with a flat tire. Um, so then we ran out of tires at one point, and you know it's also quite scary when this starts to happen because it's pouring down rain. And you think. Oh man, what happens if we can't get everybody back on the road? But we managed to fix every tire, and even after we ran out of tubulars, we would stop other cyclists and just say, "Hey, can we have your tubular?" Because they're all wearing them over their shoulders, anyways. And oftentimes, the guys would say, "Like, oh, no problem. I'm riding clinchers. Like, <laughs> that's just for that's just for looks." <laughs> it changes people. Uh, people tell me the most wonderful things about their experience, and I often hear from. Traditional cycling journalists that they, they, it's like they don't, they've never even been to an event in their lives with that kind of vibe. And I come from like alley cats and like fun 24 hour races and things like this. And so I kind of take things like that for granted. But when you come from a racing background and you've always been around these sort of meatheads that show up to these events, you, you've never been somewhere where everyone's just got a smile on their face and they're, and they just stop when they want to, and they, but they still have an awesome cycling experience, and uh, that changes people. Yeah, for sure. And also, I remember it was kind of a couple of years before that I was riding in my first stop. My first stop, I saw actually I was in the same food point with Kevin Reza. You know, stayed there with a professional rider, shaking hands, have a chat with a chat about. Don't remember what because he was doing their project. These kind of vibes are amazing, you know? It's not that he's a professional, he don't want to be recognized because blah, 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 he's bothered to stay there and talk with people. No, everybody's there, everybody's talking with everybody. Just because it's a party, it's a great party. Yeah, and, and the love that is given to these heroes of cycling, it always touches me to see how, how happy it makes them that they're not forgotten. That, you know, in this day and age, cycling has such a bad name and uh, I think this is a healing process, Eroica, for a lot of people. You know, they realize, hey, it's, it's the past. You know, um, we were taught to forgive um, in many cases. Uh, you know, this, this, I think, brings some closure. And, and, and I think that's something that's really needed um, for, for us as, as fans of cycling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going uh, a bit far from the Eroica, going back to the situation that actually we try, we actually um, share here. So living in Berlin and riding in Berlin, you know that my project of this year is to train to do the Etape du Tour in July. And I need to train because I live here in Berlin, here in Berlin, a place that is completely fat. 
a flat, not fat. Fat is only myself before the training. And uh, I was thinking, okay, how actually can I do? Which one are your tips to <laughs> tell me that you can give me to to train a bit to go uphill? I know that you are saying not, but you are kind of a strong guy uphill. But oh, I would. I know that you you keep some secrets there. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like, do do climbers really share their secrets? I was. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I was uh, listening to this year at the Eroica, I was with a lot of journalists from the lifestyle and some of them who had not ridden a bike in literally five years in any shape mm -hmm. or form. And so I, t I went on the short course this year. I went on the 46 kilometer course. Okay. And this was a really interesting experience for me um, to watch how much fun and, and, and the, the challenges that non-cyclists had on what for me is a really short distance. Um, yeah. afterwards they sat around that evening and compared coping mechanisms, like how they were dealing with this appalling, uh, physical, uh, challenge that they had to complete. So they would say things like, yeah, when it would get really hard, I would look straight down at the ground. So I couldn't tell that I was going uphill. Okay. And I think this is something universal that we all share. Uh, climbing is, is in itself, if you're climbing at a limit, at your limit, um, it's in itself a, it's a suffering that you have to deal with that doesn't go away until you get to the top. And everyone has their bag of tricks uh, to try and, and distract themselves or you know, uh, I think in this great book, The Rider by Tim Crabbe, uh, he, he mentioned some of these, these things like uh, he would do, um, uh, he would try to c compute his gear ratio and how, how much distance each pedal stroke was bringing him mm -hmm. so by one, one turn of the, of the cranks. And so these types of things like aren't the, tr aren't the traditional performance sort of things like heart rate or watts or uh, which gear you ride in I mean, these are more technical things but there's this other side there's this mental side there's this tricking yourself there's just this just your so just the perspective that you bring into a climb can 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 make a bigger difference than uh some of the more obvious uh you know uh performance things that you can google about and so i maybe would like to share one thing that i do uh to try to get through hard times yeah okay um what i do is i try and remind myself that in that place where i am on the mountain or on the long ride or wherever but whenever it's hard and i know it's going to be long I just remind myself that I'm never going to be in that place, that time ever again. Mm -hmm. And I should enjoy it. I should look around. I should um, look at the details, move my eyes around, see things, appreciate things. Um, think about how, how lucky we are. Because almost any time you're on an epic climb, you're somewhere special. Yeah, that's an ama a really, really amazing point of view. And I really like the point of 
Instead of training for climbing physically or whatever, train your brain. Train your brain. Yeah, exactly. And train your spirit. Train to embrace the for sure the pain that you're gonna suffer but try to have a look around enjoy the environment it's amazing really thanks a lot it's an amazing tip that's my tip the the real the real tips <laughs> go ahead <laughs> I, I i'm not at liberty to share uh, I've, I've given given one or two in confidence from people who can actually climb and uh okay. and those you have to win through uh through the comradeship which comes from uh, going on long hard climbs with other people okay so we're gonna talk about it offline <laughs> we'll talk about it on the mountain okay okay then we can just you know meet in the next heroic and then we can talk about <laughs> it. if you invite me i will come again otherwise mm, i think he's not you're always invited thank you uh then going on i would say you were talking about climbs and everything do you have or just rides or just adventure do you have something like that you like to repeat something that maybe you just did once but you can remember adventure or climb I've, on the bicycle i've been really fortunate to be able to travel um more than once to some of my favorite cycling areas and so mm -hmm. i've make it i've made it a point to find ways to get back to places that I like. And uh, I do have a few places that I do really like to ride. Um, and, but I'm always finding new places and that also captures a lot of my imagination. So this summer, for example, I drove around and I have an old bus and I, mm -hmm. I drove around with my kids and I brought my, my bike with me. And then we would camp and in the morning I would check out whatever area I was at. And so I decided to check out a lot of areas of Germany where I'd never been. And through doing that, I went to the mountains in the Thuringen, mountains in uh, North Bayern, uh, Bavaria, uh, mm -hmm. into uh, Baden-Württemberg and the Schwäbisch Alb and also in the Black Forest. I went and did the, the Schwarzwald Giro, this amazing amazingly friendly event uh are you familiar with the schwarzwald giro yeah actually i heard about it a lot of time john told me and other friends told me i think that is going to be one of the events that i want to join for next year yeah that was a very special time uh, yeah. i was on a holidays already with my kids and i i had dropped two off at summer camp and i, I dropped the third one off at grandma's house in munich and then drove across South Germany to meet up with these guys to do the Schwarzwald Giro. Um, and this is a really incredible area to ride. It's very alpine in, in the way that it looks, very steep. Okay. Um, all over Germany, it's a bit steeper than a lot of the alpine climbs in, in the Alps. Uh, yeah. you, you go to areas in Thuringer Wald where when it goes under 10%, you're like, oh, thank God. Okay. You know, like really, when you have 8%, you think, this is fine. I can, I can totally do this. Okay. But it, you're spending a lot of your day 14%, 15%, wow. these, these sort of climbs. So, you know, you just got to strap in and deal with it for like the next 10 kilometers or, or more. Um, so, yeah, I think people should not focus so hard on these epic famous climbs that everyone knows that okay. all of us have been to there's so many wonderful places to see without having to go so far away we we live just two hours from the erzgebirge 
we live just two hours from the Riesengebirge. Um, mm -hmm. We have mountains in the heart. Uh, these are great areas also because they're often, uh, nobody knows what's there. You can, you can really have an adventure and you don't have to, to look at stickers every sign. <laughs> Okay. You no, know, and that that for me is 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 part of the fun is finding new places. Um, so I would say, if I have a favorite place, it's every place. There's mountains. As long as you have mountains, this is, mountains are just so special and so fun, and uh, they're just you can have experiences that you just can't have without them. And that's the point to my last question, Bregan, actually. And then how do you do to handle the flat city of Berlin? Which one are your favorite spots here, if there are some? The best thing about Berlin is the people. Um, okay. There's nothing whatsoever to recommend about the cycling. Okay, there's one thing that's nice. If you ride where I ride, um, the areas, the routes that I've massaged and, and, and made over the years, you will find few cars. I have, we had this nice wall they built around the city which kept a lot of the sprawl from happening. And so we are very fortunate to have very lonely roads where um, you can ride for half an hour and a car will not even pass you. Um, this is one of the great things about Berlin. But other than that, it, it's pleasant. It, it's, not a, it's not a bad place to, to have to live in terms of cycling. I mean, the roads are flat, there, but the asphalt is good. Um, you have a lot of pretty areas, but nothing spectacular. You know, there's not, there's nothing approaching uh, grandiose. You know, there's no grandeur of the landscape. Mm -hmm. But what you do have is nice are the people. And yeah. it's very easy to find people to ride with. And because it's flat and because you can ride together, there's a lot more social interaction than you would have on a mountain. So, yeah, I can see exactly your point. Then grab the people and friends that you can do while riding in Berlin and go somewhere else. Grab a car, grab, grab a train, go to <laughs> Poland, Czech Republic or the South and you will find something cool because people are cool and you can find cool mountains not so far. That's the point. Yeah, now, I, of course, that's not always so easy to leave town, but when you're here, there are nice places to ride. I mean, I, we, I do enjoy to ride here with people. I love to, to go to standard rides sometimes when I have the time and the legs for it. That because this is the important point. They are really fast. Yeah, going to ride with them. I think I, I get out to maybe three or four rides a year, maybe okay. three. Um, mm -hmm. I sent a, a, an acquaintance to the rides who's who's a pretty good cyclist, um, but was not from Berlin and I couldn't make it. And he, okay. he, he, he sent back, uh, his, his SMS about how the ride was. And I think it was probably the nicest, uh, quote I'd heard about the standard ride. And he said, I'll have to paraphrase him, but he said, yeah, that was one of the, the greatest cycling experiences of my life. Wow. And he is right. He is right. I, I still race Criteriums. Uh, I raced two mm -hmm. last year. I also raced the, the 180 Veloton and was pretty competitive okay. at it. And uh, uh, But I tell you, the one that really, that really is scary is when the mix of people is just right on a Thursday night 
and everyone goes just completely bonkers and you're doing 60 kam ha on the flat. Um, this is crazy what they're doing. And they've all gotten faster as a group. So over the last three years, watching them develop has been amazing. It's so, I'm so stoked for, for them to see them winning races and uh, just to be able to hang in with those guys is for me a huge cycling accomplishment. I don't know, maybe they are going to start again on the Thursday night. Uh, fire out room, I don't know how to say it in German, but yeah, the Thursday night appointment. I think I have to train a lot to keep their pace there, but probably next year I can. It stands it. for happy hour round. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, takes some, it takes some time. And you know what I found out, though? I, I had never been dropped by them until the last time I went. And I was, and I was dropped for the first time. And... It really affected me, and I had to really, um, I had to really deal deal with that, <laughs> because when you're dropped, like you're dropped, like there's no uh, there's no way to get them back, to chase them back, no way. No, they just they just disappear into the distance, and there you are. But I've actually, uh, I luckily, was not the only one who was dropped okay. on that day. We had a second group, and we also had a great ride together. And I came home and was sort of thinking. Oh man, like I just got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they go do it every week, I do it every, you know, every so often. But still, it doesn't doesn't really, it, it still stings, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's the great thing about what they're doing. It's very pure. It's it's people who are very stoked on going fast and doing it together. And from all I can see, is nothing but good vibes there. If there's someone there who's maybe new. I have no problem with saying, telling them what they're doing wrong. I say, I always say it in a nice way, and I've never had anyone react badly. I think a lot of people are new. Okay. I think it's okay when in a situation like that for, to, to say like, hey man, you're super fast, but did you know if you rode uh, in the pace line with us, it would be a lot easier for everyone, including you. Because yeah. sometimes some guy in a double pace line is like one meter to the left of the line. Mm -hmm. um, and these kind of things. I, this sharing of knowledge and sharing of, of the, the there are rules for a reason in yeah. road cycling. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see. That's that. the best thing I, about Berlin for me is the yeah, people. Yeah. I met something like I don't know uh, five or six different groups riding here in Berlin, and with all of them, really, with all of them, it's a really a pleasure to ride with social people you have as you were saying because it's flat you have the possibility to talk about everything to talk about also your daily job you can get really really nice tips also on your job around everybody knows actually the vibe and the city as berlin is and everybody's so passionate about bicycle that's something that i really can understand it's something that makes berlin special cycling wise yeah you make um special types of acquaintances and friends through cycling because you've had this time, these hours, and they are a lot of hours after some years where you have spent with certain people and you've experienced these things. And, you know, this, this is a really binds people together. And I've been, I'm happy to say that, that some of my, my best friends today are just because I, I met them on training in Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same for me, actually. Some of my best friends here in Berlin, I got to know them just because of the bicycle. Yeah, we're lucky to have it. We really are. And, and it's great to see that, that there keeps being more and more people who want to be part of it. And yeah, yeah lucky us. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Bregan, I would say that I'm super happy to 
have had this talk with you, but I want to say last thing. And uh, which one are the last word on this podcast that you want to share with us? My last word I want to share? Oh, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Not the last word in general. Come on. Really not ca- objectively, ca- just in the podcast, contextually. You really, you really sprinted past me. Figuratively. Yeah. I just want to, you know, to surprise people with this last question. Usually. Oh, well, I, I didn't know this was coming. So um, I think people should really seriously and deeply consider uh, mobility and how they're, how they're getting around in life and how their family members are getting around in life. And I want people to understand and, and, and just remind themselves that they're not weak. And that cycling is so easy and that the worst thing that sometimes can happen to you is, is you can maybe get a little bit wet. And, yeah. you know, you don't have to be a freak about it. You can wear whatever you want. But, man, we are, I go out every day and I smell these cars. And, and, it, and it's, I don't know if it's just that I'm getting old or if things are getting worse or I watch the, too much TV. But I, I feel like, you know, we have got to really stop. And, and, and really take this shit seriously. Um, and and, and, it, and it's all it means is like you as an individual, you have to make decisions and make decisions. Like think about the bike. Like think about that as a solution. Like can I get there by bike? You know, just think about it. You'd be surprised how many times the answer is yes. And there's one thing I will promise almost every single person listening to this podcast that if you decide to take your bicycle somewhere, you are – there's almost 0% chance that you're going to regret that decision. But if you take your car somewhere, I can, I can say there's a very, very good chance you will ha- have at some point regretted that decision. You won't, won't have found parking. You get stuck in traffic. Uh, you, something, something happens. There's a, the, the car in a city is just annoying and inefficient and of course, sometimes it's great, and I'm not saying don't drive cars, drive your car, but just think about it. Think about it. You're stronger than you believe. You just have to give yourself a chance. Yeah, we can actually summarize it and saying instead of paying for a gym or for a shrink, buy a bicycle or ride a bicycle. Yes. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Bregan. It was really, really, really a pleasure to talk with you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Stefano. And thanks, Bregan. It was a pleasure to have you. And uh, it was an amazing, really, really nice chat. But oh gosh, we are running really, really out of time, actually, because this episode is going to be something like one hour if you're not going to wrap it. So we'll be super fast. Contact me. Hello at calamaro.cc is my email. I want to hear your voice, guys. And twitter.com slash readcalamaro, instagram.com slash readcalamaro. Follow me everywhere. Push the button on subscribe in the uh, podcast application on your iPhone or just go to spreaker.com slash listencalamaro and follow me there. It's the best solution. Again, thanks to Wahoo and Isador and thank you guys. I will talk to you next week. Bye bye.